We'd like to welcome you back to, I guess this will be our second part for the uh, dedicated teaching we're doing <clears throat> regarding Islam, Muslim religion. Uh, what we're going to be doing now is looking at some actual Bible verses <clears throat> regarding Israel because the Islamic religion and they're anticipating the Imam Mahdi, the fifth, twelfth uh, Imam, uh, their awaited Savior coming. They are believing this is going to be in conjunction with total destruction of Israel. This is their stated goal. They've stated over and over, the highest level people like Yasser Arafat and these, that the only solution is literally driving Israel into the sea. Killing every man, woman, child, every one of them. They're viewed as a cancer. All infidels, but particularly the Jews. <clears throat> the Jews first are viewed as a total cancer, and Islam is the answer to the cancer. And they are bent on wiping them out. Totally. That is the only thing that will ever appease Islam. Period. If you really boil it down. There is no living in peaceful coexistence with Israel. This is evidenced by the fact that every time Israel gives up land to the Muslims, all they do is get their rockets, move their rockets in a little bit closer, and get a little bit better shot off. You know, that's the only thing that ever, the only ever fruit that ever comes of them trying to appease Islam is them getting their rockets closer and getting their, you know, people closer so that they can do more damage and inflict more. <clears throat> devastation, pain, and sorrow on the Jews. And uh, that's why it's so insane to give them more land, because, you know, land for peace does, does not work when you're dealing with a bunch of demon-possessed devils that are bent on your absolute total destruction and annihilation, and that is the only thing that will ever appease them. <clears throat> Contrast what these demon-possessed liars say about well, we're going to wipe out Israel with what the Word of God actually says. Psalm 89, verse 3 says, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David, my servant, David, a Jew, thy seed will I establish forever. That's what the Bible says. And build up the throne to all generations. For the Lord is our defense, and this is going to verse 18, for the Lord is our defense, and the Holy One of Israel is our king. <clears throat> then thou spakest in vision to the Holy One, and saidst, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one chosen out of my people. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him. With whom my hand shall be established, mine arm shall also strengthen him. My mercy will I keep for him forevermore, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. Notice a covenant with David. Is mentioned here. His seed also will I make to endure forever. So I don't see anything in the Bible where it says that, you know, Israel is going to be wiped off the planet like Islam thinks it is. It's not going to happen. Biblically, it will not happen. I'm not going to say there's many that aren't going to die. According to Zechariah, it appears as though two-thirds of the Jews will actually die, and then one-third will be pried as silver and a furnace and will be brought through that fire, and they are the ones that will actually be the remnant that is saved <clears throat> um, by the end of the tribulation when Jesus Christ comes back. The Bible is very clear, and I've done many studies on that, those verses in uh, Zechariah. So, uh, not to say they're not going to suffer, but as far as them being totally wiped out, that's not happening, Mr. Muslim. It's not going to happen. <clears throat> going further, so Psalm 89, verse 29, His seed also will I make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. If his children forsake my law, and walk not in my judgments, which obviously happened, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. This is what has happened 
and is still happening regarding the Jews from a biblical standpoint. Now, I did a whole teaching entitled The Biblical Cause of Jewish-Israeli uh, Affliction, and I also mentioned John Hagee and Christian Zionism, the warning there. But I give you the biblical reasons why those things are so. It's not anti-Semitic. I'm just going through the Bible verse by verse and explaining things. <clears throat> going further, it says... Uh, in verse, Psalm 89, verse 33, Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him. So in other words, God, if they do abandon God, which they have abandoned God, and, and they did abandon God, and they, you know, when they took Jesus before Pilate, they, you know, he said, well, can I give you Barabbas? He's like, no, 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 no. Uh, or can I, can I give you Jesus? And they said, no, 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 give us Barabbas. Let Jesus' blood be upon us and our children. That's what the Jews asked for. This is why they've had such a rough time since the crucifixion. Because they asked for literally a curse to be put on themselves. They literally asked for this to happen. Again, I'm not being anti-Semitic. I'm just being... But there's going to come a time when they do get their eyes open. And that time, you know, is, is coming shortly. Not everyone, but it will happen. Biblically. <clears throat> Uh, nevertheless, my loving kindness will not utterly will I not utterly take from him, meaning Israel, essentially the Jews, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break. Where was the covenant established with David? I just mentioned it. Thy seed will I establish forever is what the covenant was part of the covenant. Thy seed will I establish forever. The Jews aren't going to be wiped out. Totally. It's not going to happen. And then it goes on again, verse 80, uh, Psalm 89, 34. My covenant will I not break, nor the thing that has gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. Now, let's go to Romans, verse 11, or uh, Romans 11, chapter 11, which is a chapter... Really speaking totally exclusively regarding the Jews. Okay, now I'm not going to go over reverse. I've, I've done that in some other studies. <clears throat> I'm just going to hit the high points that pertain to this subject. Okay. Romans 11 verse 1 says, I say then, have God cast away his people? They're in reference here to the Jews. Okay, remember in John 1 in the previous teaching I did on the uh, Higgs boson? said he came to his own, and his own received him not. Jesus Christ came to his own. His own people were the Jews. It's, that's the bloodline he was born into. Okay? So, um, Romans verse 1 says, I say, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I am also an Israelite. And now, in this particular context, we're talking about a race of people, not like... Well, I thought we were as people as born-again Bible. Yes, we are. But in this particular context, they're talking about Israel, Israelites. Okay, We know that from the first verse. I say then, have God cast away his people? God forbid, for I am also an Israelite. Of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Okay, So this is what we're talking about. More of a bloodline uh, Israeli Jewish nation we're, we're in reference to here. Next verse, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Okay, so this is in regard to the Jews exclusively, what we're talking about here. Okay, and remember, he's, he's established a covenant with David, and he will not break it. He may chasten them, but he's never going to totally break it. And, and hopefully we prove that to you in the previous verses. Even so, then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Well, you're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2.11, okay? So this is this election of grace, this remnant of the Jews that even at this present time exists. Um... Going to verse 11, Romans 11, 11. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Meaning the Jews. Have the Jews stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather, through their 
fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles. That would be you and I if we're Gentiles, okay? For to provoke them to jealousy, to literally provoke the Jews to jealousy. For I would not, and now going to verse 25, for I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel, that's where they're at right now, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. When does the fullness of the Gentiles fully come in? Hard to say exactly. A lot of postulated that it would be near the start of the tribulation. Would probably make sense from a biblical standpoint. Okay. <clears throat> Next verse. And so all Israel shall be saved. How is that going to be possible? Well, when the two-thirds die, according to Zechariah, the one-third that comes through and is tried as silver is tried in a the fire, they, that absolute one-third remnant of the Jews, that's how all of Israel is going to be saved, because that's all of Israel that's going to be left in the tribulation, near the end of the tribulation. That's how all of Israel is going to be saved. Right now, the way it stands, no, all of Israel is, that's on this planet right now, no, they will not all be saved. So all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Sion the Deliverer, capital D, that's Jesus Christ, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This is when he appears at the end of the tribulation period. <clears throat> For this is my covenant unto them. Now, here we are. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later that this is written, Romans 11.27, and then we go to the verse in Psalm where he talks about David establishing his covenant with David and essentially his seed that will not be broken. This is the same covenant that they're talking about in Romans 11.27. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Now, that's when they're going to look upon whom they have pierced, as the Bible talks about in Zechariah, they're going to look upon whom they've pierced, meaning the Jews have pierced, by their saying, crucify Jesus, give us Barabbas, take away this Jesus Christ, let his blood be upon us and our children. That's when he's going to take away their sins, because they're going to look upon whom they've pierced as one, and they're going to mourn for him as mourning for their, like an only begotten son, is the way the Bible talks about it. They're going to un their, their eyes are finally going to be open, and they're going to realize collectively what the Jewish race asked for. Okay, again, not anti-Semitic. I'm just being honest here. I love the Jewish people. Okay, um, and the part you know, I, I see what hypocrisy is 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 uh, and what evil is perpetuated against them with the Muslims, and that doesn't mean that I think that you know. There's not a lot of evil Jews, like the Zionistic aspect of that, which, yes, is absolutely valid. But, they call themselves Jews, but they're not. They are of the synagogue of Satan, as the Bible talks about in Revelation. Okay, so yes, there are some very evil people at the top of the Jewish food chain that are extremely evil, high-level Illuminati, Zionists, whatever you want to call them. And yes, they're pure evil, no doubt about it. Okay, So I, what I'm trying to do is have some biblical balance when we talk about this issue. Because there's a lot of people that are like, oh, the Jews, whatever they do is good, and I'll never question any of it, and, and they don't even need to get saved, like John Hagee says, because it's just, it's called ethnic salvation, they get saved just because of the Jewish blood that flows through their veins. And whatever they do, and they're automatically grandfathered into heaven, and that's garbage! they got to get saved the same way we do. And they give them all this preferential treatment. And then there's those that go to the opposite end of the spectrum and say, oh no, the Jews are evil. They're no good. The Bible doesn't even talk about them. I'm like, oh, okay, so the 144,000 that the Bible talks about in Revelation 7 and 7 and 14, who are going to be Jewish male virgins, 12,000 from each tribe, specifically states this, if you read Revelation seven and fourteen, that's this. That's all symbolic, right? There, there, there's no, there's no literal. I mean, it, sa it says them by tribe. Oh no, no. There's people now that say that that applies to certain um, Caucasian, like British Israelism, and those types of, of cult groups. Oh no, that applies to us now. We've usurped that. No, you haven't. It's literal. And then there's people in the black races that believe that applies to certain ones of their races. 
And I'm like, I'm against either. They're both lies. I don't care if you're, I mean, I'm, I'm white, but I mean, it don't apply to me. And it don't apply to the blacks. It applies to the Jews. The Bible says what it says, and it means what it says. It's the Jews. Gives them by tribe. They're the ones that are going to be sealed. The 144,000 that are going to be sealed. Oh, no, it's not that. It's a spiritualization. Everything's changed. Oh, wow. What, right. The world according to you. Oh, you know what? This is how cults get started from people, you know, that believe this type of stuff and then go out and propagate it. Just be satisfied with the word of God. <laughs> you know, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and that maketh flesh his arm and his heart departeth from the Lord. That's what the Bible says. So if you're following some man in some cult or some woman in some cult and it's contradictory to the word of God, get out. Get out. Because they're only going to take you to hell. Most likely. Anyway, um, so Romans 11.26, And so all Israel shall be saved, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away unrighteousness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them. Same covenant mentioned back in Psalm that we just referenced. When I shall take away their sins, because he's going to be able to take away their sins because they're going to understand who Jesus Christ is. They're going to look upon whom they've pierced. They're going to mourn for him as the loss of their only begotten son. And they're going to get saved. The one third that comes through the fire is going to be saved. As concerning the gospel, they, meaning the Jews, right now, for the most part, are enemies for your sakes. But as for touching the election, meaning the election of the saints, they are beloved for the Father's sake. They're beloved. That's how God looks at them, is beloved. I believe he knows the one-third remnant that's going to be saved in the 144,000. Praise the Lord. I don't want to try to take that away from them. I couldn't if I wanted to. But there's a lot of people that do. Oh no, these apply to us now. The Jews are, they're, 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 there's no application to them in, the, in Revelation. I'm like, man, you really got to seriously twist some scriptures to go that route. I mean, you really do. And if that's what you believe, fine. I don't want to argue with you. But, you know, I pray God show you the truth. Anyway, I may, I've made my stance on this abundantly clear over many, many teachings. And, you know, so going further, now we're going back to this article that this was originally from. Uh, there is clarity in the words of Allah in regard to the Jews. Okay, this is what Muslims say. And it says, they broke their oath, therefore we damned them, and made their hearts out of stone. This is what the, supposedly, Allah is saying to the Jews. So they cannot be forgiven. See, the Jews, they don't believe can be forgiven. They're, they're beyond, they're viewed as vile dogs, as unclean. So, when you view someone that way, it's just like Hitler, how he would justify killing the Jews. Okay? Now, Knowing how God views the Jews, and we just read you a whole chapter. You want to read the whole chapter? Read Romans 11. God views them in a different way that obviously Satan would view them. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but as for touching the election, they are beloved, meaning the Jews are beloved for the Father's sake. Well, I mean, wouldn't it make sense then why, why Satan would want to try to wipe the Jews off the planet? See, Satan is the one behind the Muslims. He was the one behind Hitler. And anybody that has ever tried to wipe the Jews off the planet, they're, they're devils that possess these people, fallen angels and devils that emanate through whatever religious belief systems they adhere to. And they're the ones motivating them, these devils, devils, demons, and fallen angels, they're the ones that are motivating these people to try to annihilate the Jews off the planet. That's what the Holocaust was all about. I love the Holocaust deniers, too. They're, they're my favorite. You know, Ahmadinejad is a Holocaust denier. The guy that's the, uh, that uh, is, I mean, one of the most biggest proponents for the Imam Mahdi, and they can't wait until he makes his appearance, and he's going to wipe Israel off the map. The president of uh, Iran, the, guy, the guy's a total madman. He's a Holocaust denier, too. Yeah. I've been watching a, a, a little series, a little documentary series online lately. And, I mean, the footage that is available from the end of World War II in Germany. 
I mean, camp after camp after camp after camp of bodies stacked up like cordwood. The majority Jews, not all, but the majority, and by far more Jews of any ethnic race than any other race, bodies stacked up like cordwoods. I mean, skeletons. Skin stretched over, I mean, they starved them as much as they could and then let them die or killed them. Roasted them in the ovens. Shot them. Made them live in the most deplorable conditions you could possibly ever imagine. Skinned many of them and made lampshades out of them. Made soap out of their fat. Would take every single possession that they brought into the camps and that was one of the reasons they acquired such a gigantic treasure afterward. They would find like thousands of eyeglasses and thousands of gold fillings that they had pulled out of the teeth of the Jews and all these horrific, horrific things that were done. And all the footage and all the eyewitness accounts of our soldiers from World War II, both British and American, and I'm sure there were others, that went into the camps that were in total, utter shock and disbelief over what they were seeing all of that's made up, though, because the Holocaust just made up. It's just a lie, you know. Not, none of it has any. And all the all the death camps that were there that were filmed, those they weren't doing anything bad in there. There's no such thing as a Holocaust. They would march the German people into the camps afterward. Most of the time, their reaction was just deadpan, stone face. They didn't care. And then they would say, "Oh, we didn't know this was going on." Come on. There were hundreds of those camps across Germany. But no, none of you Germans knew what was going on. Hey, listen, I'm more German than any other race. So I'm not giving my dominant race any pass here. Okay? I'm not anti-German. I'm more German than any other race. Okay? So I'm not giving... My, 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 on my mom's side, my grandpa was Myers. Myers, they came straight from Germany. Had it on my dad's side too, but not as much. More on my mom's. So I mean... <laughs> I watch these documentaries, and I mean, they're the most pitiful things I've ever seen in my life. These poor people, they go in there, and they're just skeletons, skin and bones, and just so thankful for, for, for you know, I, I can't even imagine the way they suffered. And the, and the Germans were so evil and twisted and sick and demented in what they were doing. And it really does remind me of Islam. Because they viewed them like a cancer, much like Islam views them to this day. Hitler worked with Islam. It's a little known fact, but they were, think about it, they were both on the same page. They both had the same goals, total eradication of the Jews. Hitler, in part, justified this through Darwinism, which taught that, you know, survival of the fittest, superiority of the species, and they were trying to create the fifth root race, the Aryan God-man. And the Jews were the viewed as the lowest on the food chain. They were the viewed as most, most closest to the apes in our evolutionary process. So they had to be eradicated because they were not of pure Aryan stock. Blonde-haired, blue-eyed, Norwegian-type people were viewed in the highest regard. They were viewed as more closest to that evolution of the Aryan fifth root race. And that's why they would go into different countries and pick them out and use them for their breeding purposes. And Lebensborn, where they had these big, disgusting farms where the women would be brood mothers and breeders and they would have babies and they wouldn't even raise them. The, the state would raise them. I mean, Nazi Germany was, was about as sick of a thing as you could possibly ever imagine. It was so sickening. And these Holocaust deniers, I, I just, I, I can't get over it. And there are a lot of these people that say they're Christians are Holocaust deniers. The British-Israeli crowd, you know, uh, you could go on and on and on. Some really, really creepy creepy stuff. Anyway, uh, going further with this article, the followers of the hidden imam, or the twelfth imam, or imam Mahdi, their, their awaited savior, the editorial says, are those whose hearts are of steel. They have no doubt about God. They are solid as a rock. Their victorious flag will free every city. Free? The only thing they want to do is kill and enslave. Free? Then it goes on to say, they will embrace their imam and will sacrifice their lives under his command. 
The head of the Revolutionary Guard's Aerospace Division on Wednesday told Fars News Agency that, quote, all of occupied territories in Israel and all of the U.S. bases in that region are within our missile range. And in case of war, within the first minutes, all will be destroyed. So this is what they're threatening, and they're getting real bold. And I'm not saying we're not doing things to incite things over there. America itself. You know, they, you have to understand, the Illuminati wants World War III. They're going to bring their new world order out of the chaos of World War III, most likely. That's the way it's going to go down. Here's another article. 22 rockets from Gaza, 150 in six days. Gaza-based terrorists fired 25... And this is just a typical news report out of Israel. Just typical. There has been multiple thousands and thousands and thousands of rockets fired into Israel as we give more land for peace. That's how they reward Israel. Give us land, we give you more rockets. You give us more land, we move our rockets in closer. That's why it's so insane to give... It's just like giving Satan a free pass. Oh, here's Satan. Come here. Here you go, Satan. There you go. Here's some more land. Oh, Satan will never betray us. I mean, that's just exactly what it's like. I mean, they they just do this. So, Gaza-based terror... Terrorists fired 25 rockets into southern Israel on Saturday, causing damage to a school and factory. The latest attacks bring the total number of rockets and other projectiles fired from the Strip to approximately 150 over the past six days. Now understand, they're doing this, yes, and then Israel retaliates. It's never the other way around. If they stopped firing rockets, Israel wouldn't fire one back. In other words, they're always the one inciting Israel to buy. And all they're doing is protecting themselves. But it's as though they have no right to protect themselves whatsoever, is the way it's portrayed. Amid reports from Gaza Saturday night that Hamas was now seeking ceasefire, security sources said, quote, quiet will be met with quiet. Remember what I just said? Okay. Quiet will be met quiet. You don't fire rockets at us? We're not going to fire rockets at you. We're not looking for a fight. You are. Why? Because your religion commands to destroy and kill the Jews and the infidels. The only answer for them is total destruction of the Jews. That's it. Quiet will be met with quiet, but further rocket fire will be met with further fire from Israel. Do they have a right to defend themselves? Sure they do. Next article. Israel, the last rocket hit the graveyard in Megan. Here's a picture of a basketball court with a... uh, a um, bomb shelter. They got bomb shelters everywhere because they're constantly firing. They're constantly under this barragement of rocket fire, and whatever you're doing, the the, the sirens go off, and you got to go in and, and find some internal part in your house or go into the shelter, and and you know because it's they're under constant bombardment many times. This is how they live their life. This is from a guy that puts out an, a newsletter. Um, regarding these issues, and he says, My Jewish friends in, in Megan live under the constant threat of Quran-based Islamic terrorism. Even the basketball court at Megan has a bomb shelter, and there's a picture of it right here. They have 15 seconds from the code red siren to take cover in the bomb shelter. That's all you got. 15 seconds. And the Islamic Muslims firing these rockets are hoping you don't get in there in time. Because they're just trying to kill anybody they can kill, and it don't matter. To them, um, he goes on to say, I have friends that live in a kibbutz in Megan, and this kibbutz is located 4.5 kilometers from Gaza, inside the mainland southern Israel. Thursday evening, my Jewish friends came under yet another rocket attack from Gaza. One of our four rockets, one of the four rockets fired into the Eskol Regional Council, exploded inside the graveyard of the kibbutz Megan. Uh, I guess his friend explains, quote, it was around 11 p.m. I was in bed with our firstborn newborn son. When code red is sounded, we have 15 seconds to run to the bomb shelter. There was obviously no time to run. My husband, our son, and I took shelter in the kitchen. Then came the sound of a huge explosion, explains Salon. Please understand, and and then it goes back to the article, please understand that Islamic terrorists do not work for, quote, peace. They work for the total destruction of the Jewish homeland. Quran-based Islam is like a cancer. It has not only crippled the Arab world for the last thousand years. I mean, when you have that kind of society, where you live under that kind of oppression, and you do the things you do to women and children, 
how, how could that society ever thrive? I mean, you are in a, a, like, the biggest big brother death cult you could possibly ever be in. Quran-based Islam is like a cancer. It has not only crippled the Arab world for the last hundred thousand years, it wants to export its violence, evil, and wickedness to all free and democratic Western societies. Yeah, amen, brother. That's exactly what they want to do. When the Messiah returns to earth, the enemy of the truth shall face an iron rod in Zion. Amen. Zechariah 14.12 says, And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh shall consume away while they stand upon their feet, and their eyes shall consume away in their holes, and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. That's the future for Islam. From the Bible. Boy, I bet you those Islamic people wouldn't like to hear that. Uh Uh-uh. That really getting probably fired up. Okay, so going further. So let's, I've, I've mentioned this before, I, and I give you, this is on page 11 of the PDF, and it's entitled, Israel and the Consequences of Taking Her Land. Now, that one guy, Koenig, wrote a whole book on how multiple things America has done against Israel. Whenever we do this, we have some big cataclysmic thing that happens to America within a very short period of time. I mean, he's, it's over and over and over he's documented this. There's no way it could be a coincidence. Well, here's a map of Israel versus the Arab nations. And, um... Okay. Some dude on a motorcycle, I guess. Anyway, um... And it shows the Arab nations around Israel. This tiny little sliver of land compared to the rest of the nations around her. In the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Sudan, Libya, Algeria. I mean, there's more than this, actually. Okay, Israel is this little tiny sliver compared to all of these other pieces of land. Israel is bordered by 22 hostile Arabic Islamic nations that are really, I really believe now this is much more, but it's 640 times her size and 65 times her population. Um, okay, so this is what they're up against. Now, it shows you a picture of... Um, I believe modern-day Israel, yeah, modern-day Israel overlapped over the state of Florida, which is where I used to live. And I mean, it looks like, I would say if you look at the, at the actual land mass, I would say it is one-fourth to one-fifth the size of Florida, all of Israel, the way that the, the land's been chopped up now. One-fourth to one-fifth the size of Florida. Okay? Not real big. Here's another very interesting uh, graphic, which is entitled, What Israel Has Given Away for Peace. And it shows Israel controlled land in 1967, when they first took control of Israel, and it was much bigger. And then it, it showed Israel controlled land in 1993. Now, they had given more than half of Israel, of modern day Israel, away. I would say it looks like they gave away about almost two thirds by 1993. And now, in, in 2001, it shows you what it looks like, and it's even smaller. All this land for peace garbage that never ever works. Israel is a Jewish nation, one one nineteenth the size of California. That's pretty small. And is one of the smallest nations on the face of the earth. With only about 8,000 square miles of land mass, it is roughly two times the size of Rhode Island. Rhode Island is our smallest state. Okay, Israel is 260 miles at its longest, 112 mile coastline, and 60 miles at its widest, and between 3 and 9 miles at its narrowest. That's how narrow it is in some points. 3 and 9 miles. The nation of Israel is surrounded by 22 hostile Arab nation dictatorships that are 640 times her size and 60 times her population. Arab propagandists call Israel expansionist. They have the audacity to call Israel expansionist when they have continually given and given and given land to them? That's what I mean. They're such liars. There is no truth to this statement as Israel occupies one-sixth of one percent 
of the lands called Arab. And I would say it's even less than that now because of Arab Islamic expansion. One-sixth of one percent is all the land they occupy. Yet, isn't it weird that all of these Islamic nations are totally obsessed with wiping Israel off the the map and acting as though, oh, they've forced all of our people off our land. Look what they've done. And they occupy one-sixth of one percent of the total lands called Islamic or Arab? That doesn't make any sense. Well, they want you to believe their propaganda and garbage. They've given away two-thirds of their land at least to try to appease Islam. And the only reward they get is the rockets move closer and they get a better shot on them. That's the reward. Because their word means nothing. Islam. You would have thought that Israel would have figured this out by now. (sighs) Anyway, there are 13... Now, at the time of the writing, there are 13 million Jews in the world... Almost 5 million fewer than there were in 1939. And 300 million Arabs and 1.4 billion Muslims. So they're just a very tiny, tiny sect of people on a very, very tiny piece of land. And they don't want a fight or a war. But everybody around them wants to see them annihilated. Because that is what their religion teaches them. That is the fruit of Islam. Just one of the many more wicked Sick, corrupt fruits of good old Islam. Here's the next article. Muslim cleric says Jerusalem to be the capital of Egypt under mercy rule. Now, that word mercy is not like M-E-R-C-Y. It's mercy, M-U-R-S-I. It's it's an Islamic. Um, And it's the last name of Muhammad Mercy. Let me just read this. This is just from uh, the 9th of last month. If Muslim, if the Muslim, Muslim Brotherhood candidate, Mohammed Mercy, were to become president, which he did on June 30th, just so you know, this guy's already in. If he were to become president, Egypt's capital would no longer be Cairo, but would be Jerusalem. What? Oh yeah, that's what they believe is going to happen. Now that they've got their Muslim Brotherhood, radical, radical Islamist regime in there, and, and America's already been integral in installing the same type of radical Islamic regime in all of these other com- countries that have been toppled recently, they're saying, our capital's not going to be Cairo anymore, but we want it to be Jerusalem. What does that imply? Obviously, the total takeover of Israel. And who said this? A prominent Egyptian cleric said at a presidential campaign rally. I mean, he said it right at the presidential campaign rally. He's not like saying it like, oh, okay, like off to the side here. He's boldly proclaiming it. This was aired by an Egyptian private television channel. Specifically, he said, quote, our capital shall not be Cairo, Mecca, or Medina. It shall be Jerusalem with God's will, meaning Allah's will. Our chance will be, get this, here's what our chance will be. Millions of martyrs will march toward Jerusalem. In other words, they're going to go there and try to take it by force, and they're going to be martyred in there. That way they can be with their their, uh, virgins and stuff. That's what their agenda is. That's their goal. And they're, they're flat out stating it. Jerusalem will be our capital. According to the video aired by Egypt's religious Anas TV, this was said, the video which went viral after being posted on YouTube was translated into English by the Middle East Research Institute. Uh, The United States of the Arabs will be restored on the hands of the man, Mercy, which is this Muhammad Mercy, and his supporters. Hegazi said as the crowds cheered, waving Egyptian and Hamas flags, tomorrow Mercy will liberate Gaza, the crowds chanted. In other words, that's their main goal. Now that we've got this ultra-radical regime, I mean, not a whole lot more has to happen before World War III is going to break out. And then he goes on to say, yes, we will either pray in Jerusalem or we will be martyred there. So in other words, we're either going to take it by force and be able to pray there, or we're going to be martyred trying to do it. That's what they're saying, flat out. And that was said by Hagazi. Hagazi's speech came during a presidential campaign rally 
at the Egyptian Delta city of Mahali, where Mercy attended along with the Muslim Brotherhood, Supreme Guide Muhammad Baidai, and other supporters. So, uh, more saber-rattling, more uh, World War III pieces of the puzzle falling into place here. Uh, Chick Publication just put out a couple more new Muslim tracks. They have got some really good Muslim tracks. Um, One of them is entitled The Camels in the Tent, and it shows a camel that is, put his head in the tent, and the tent has, an I think, an American flag on it. And it says, may I come in? May I come all the way in? Meaning, the camel's got his head in, but he wants to come all the way in the tent. And America says to the camel, of course, we are a tolerant nation. And again, this is how Shahara law gets implemented. This is why, again, on Obamacare, and I'll cover that at the very end here, how the Muslims get a free pass. They don't have to do Obamacare. They, they're, they're not subject to that because of their religion. They get a free pass on Obamacare. Christians don't, but they do. So, um, then the next track is called The Skylighter. And it, sa- it shows a, I don't know, a, a man holding up a baby that was just born. And it says, he was born to light the sky in martyrdom to Allah. Allah. But, his friend tells him the real way to heaven. And then um, the man, the Muslim man holding up the baby says, At the exact moment you will light up the sky, and in celebration we will be dancing in the streets in your honor. Meaning he will basically strap on a nail bomb and blow himself up and take all and as many infidels as possible, and you're going to be celebrated as this great hero and this great martyr. This is what they're indoctrinated into at the very earliest possible age. Even their cartoons and their they have these romper room kids programs that I've seen. The, the sick, disgusting clips of the little children and little girls going around singing how they're going to die for Allah and they're going to kill the Jews and and, and with like Disney characters on the walls. I mean, it's so sick. It, it, it's just so disgusting. And no wonder they turned out so warped. This race. They're just totally indoctrinated into pure hate from the earliest possible age. That's all they know is evil and hatred toward infidels and the Jews, and the superiority of their religion and Allah. This next article, um, it's called A German's View on Islam. The author of the article writes, This is by far the best explanation of the Muslim terrorist situation I've ever read. His references to past history are clear and accurate. Not long, easy to understand, and well worth a read. The author of this email is said to be Dr. Emmanuel Tene a well-known and respected doctor. And it starts out by saying, a German's view on Islam. A man whose family was in German aristocracy prior to World War II owned a large number of industries and estates. When asked how many German people were true Nazis, the answer he gave can only guide our attitude toward fanaticism. He said very few were true Nazis. He said, but many enjoyed the return of German pride and many more were too busy to care. I was one of those who just thought the Nazis were a bunch of fools, so the majority just sat back and let it all happen. Then, before we knew it, they owned us, and we had lost control, and the end of the world had come. My family lost everything, I ended up in a concentration camp, and the Allies destroyed my factories. This is what this guy did. Okay, And a lot of people, and again, just to interject something about Islam, a lot of people believe that, oh, well, the, the majority is just this peaceful sect of Islamic people. I mean, now remember, there's silent jihad, there's non-violent jihad, okay? A lot of them are appearing as peaceful, but they're not, okay? Deep down, they're not. They're putting on a facade of peacefulness, but they're not. But let's just say, okay, there is a, quite a few. Who do you think, when the radical Islamic agenda, or let's just go to a, 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 a country where Radical Islam is the norm. Do you think the peaceful, let's say, majority, who supposedly don't want to fight, don't... Do you think they're the ones that, that call the shots? Do you think they're the ones giving the orders? No. So who do you think they end up being subject to? The fanatics. Absolutely. And they're going to be like, listen, <laughs> you either die for Allah or you, or, or, or you die, period. Who do you think they're going to end up following? They're going to get right in line and do exactly as they're told. 
So the peaceful, lukewarm, unfundamental sect of Islam, they're going to get on board sooner or later. Just like a lot of the people in Nazi Germany did when, you know, you had Hitler rise into power. And a lot of them, like he's saying, you know, we weren't, there's a lot of people that didn't think anything of them. And they, and they let the guy come to power. There wasn't really any, uh, or there wasn't enough resistance. And then eventually, you better be on board or you die. In Nazi Germany, I mean, it's not like you had much of a choice, even in the population. <laughs> so, I wanted to just make that contrast. Anyway, um, we are told again and again by experts and talking heads and the American president, Obama, that Islam is a religion of peace, and that the vast majority of Muslims just want to live in peace. Uh, he goes on to say, it's meaningless fluff meant to make us feel better and meant to somehow diminish the specter of fanatics rampaging across the globe in the name of Islam. The fact is that the fanatics rule Islam at this moment in history. It is the fanatics who march, it is the fanatics who wage war, and any one of the 15 shooting the 50 shooting wars they wage worldwide. It is the fanatics who systematically slaughter Christian or tribal groups throughout Africa and are gradually taking over the entire continent in an Islamic wave of terror. It is the fanatics who bomb, behead, murder, and honor kill. It is the fanatics who take over mosque after mosque. It is the fanatics who zealously spread um, the stoning and hanging of rape victims and homosexuals. It is the fanatics who teach their young to kill and to become suicide bombers. And they're the ones taking over. They are the ones in control of Islam. The hard, quantifiable fact is that the Islamic majority, um, the silent majority, is cowed and extraneous. They, in other words, they don't even matter. Okay? And they will fall in line. Communist Russia was comprised of Russians who wanted to live in peace. Yet, the Russian communists were responsible for the murder of about 40 million people. The peaceful majority were irrelevant. It's the same today here in America. It's the same anywhere where you have evil taking over. China's huge population was peaceful as well, but Chinese communists managed to kill a staggering 70 million people. Now, I'm not saying being peaceful is bad, okay? But I'm saying when you just lukewarm, you lay back and you're like, oh, whatever, I'm not going to do it. You know, no, don't, you don't pray about it, you don't, you know. You become totally irrelevant to the to the big equation. So, the average Japanese prior to World War II was not a warmongering sadist, yet Japan murdered and slaughtered its way across across Southeast Asia in an orgy of killing that included the systematic murder of 12 million Chinese civilians, mostly killed by sword, shovel, and bayonet. And who can forget Rwanda, which collapsed into butchery? Not... Could it not only be said that the majority of Rwandans were peace-loving as well? History lessons are often incredibly simple and blunt. Yet for all our powers of reason, we often miss the most basic and uncontemplated, uncomplicated of points. Number one, most Muslims have been made irrelevant by their silence. Number two, most Muslims will become our enemy if they don't speak up. Because like my friend from Germany, they will awaken one day and find that the fanatics own them. And they will be Islamically bound to go along with their plans of annihilation of the infidels. I added that part in. They will be Islamically bound to go along with their plans of annihilation of the infidels, which are anybody who's a non-believer in Islam. Uh, number three, peace-loving Germans, Japanese, Chinese, Russians, Rwandans, Serbs, Afghans, Iraqis, Palestinians, Somalis, Nigerians, Algerians, er, Nigerians, Algerians, and many others have died because the peaceful majority did not speak up until it was too late. As for us, who watched it all unfold, we must pay attention to the only group that counts, which are the fanatics who threaten our way of life. Lastly, anyone who doubts that the issue that this issue is serious and just deletes this email without sending it on is contributing to the passiveness that allows the problems to expand. So extend yourself a bit and send this on and on and on. Let us hope that thousands of worldwide will read this and think about it and send it on before it's too late. And then there's a quote by Martin Niemöller, who was a pastor, German uh, Lutheran church from 1892 to 18. 1984, and he says, in Germany, the Nazis first came for the communists, and I did not speak up, because I was not a communist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak up, because I was not a Jew. And then they came for the trade unionists, and I, did, and I did not speak up, because I was not a trade unionist. And then, eventually, they came for me. And by that time, there was no one to speak up for me anymore, because everybody else was gone. 
So, uh, very good points to think about and ponder there. Okay, so let's keep going. Uh, next article, PA Youth, uh, Palestinian Authorities, PA, um, Islam, essentially. PA Youth taught that suicide terrorists are the greatest role models on an EU, meaning European Union-funded TV program. This is really sick, you know, because it just shows you how in league the coming New World Order is in line with Islam. They're using Islam to accomplish their purposes. They're, they're going to use Islam in order to create and foment World War III. And they're going to play both sides of it. Last week, Israel transferred the bodies, the dead bodies, of 91 terrorists, including numerous suicide bombers, to the Palestinian Authority. A PA TV program for youth called Speak Up glorified the 91 terrorists, saying they were, quote, more honored than all of us. And then it said, they are the greatest role models for us. So these dead, psychopathic, demon-possessed, mass-murdering Islamic terrorists are said they're more honored than us and they are the greatest role models for us. That is how sick that society is that that embraces Islam. The TV program is co-produced by PATV and Palara, which is a program for youth funded by the EU, the European Union, and Save the Children and other international donors. Save the Children? What about saving the children of the people that the terrorists are killing and blowing up? Oh, no, no, we don't save those children. Those, those children deserve to die. No. Save the children. Yeah. The following is a statement on PATV honoring the terrorists. Here's a picture of a, of a girl. Uh, she looks to be about 15. And it says, they are the greatest role models for us. Shows a picture of her. You can click on it right here. Unfortunately, we even embrace them, the terrorists. This is from um, this TV show. It said, quote, Unfortunately, we or, we or even... We or even... We even embrace them, the terrorists. But we're satisfied we were not able to embrace them. Okay, so let me start over again. The, the quote says, Unfortunately, we were not even able to embrace them, the, the, the 91 dead terrorists. Uh, but we're satisfied standing before their bodies, before their sanctified message. You know what that word sanctified means? To remain holy and set apart. This is the most unholy thing I've ever seen. And yet they're honored as these wonderful, basically men of God, men of Allah. Okay, Before their sanctified message. The homeland won't die, but we will die for it. These martyrs are more honored than all of us. They are the greatest role models for us, not only because they fought and struggled for the homeland, but also because they went beyond the sacrifice of stain, strain, and effort to the stage where they actually sacrificed their lives for the homeland. Reminds me of something Hitler would say, too. You know, it's all about the fatherland and the homeland and, you know, all these things and, like, you know, what they're doing is some kind of noble endeavor when all they are is a bunch of mass murderers. The Palestinian Media Watch reported that the PA leadership participated in a national funeral, treating these 91 terrorists as heroes and Islamic martyrs. At the funeral, suicide bombers and other terrorists were presented as role models for the others to follow in their path. Follow in their path. You need to be martyrs like them. This is the highest honor you could ever have in Islam. Killing the infidel. Destroying the Jews. And maybe the great Satan America. This is how they view us. Uh, this is the second time in a few weeks that the EU-funded Palara has chosen to glorify terrorists. In May, Palara, on its other PA TV program, Jerusalem Scenes, honored Palestinian terrorist prisoners serving multiple life sentences for planning suicide bombings that murdered many Israelis. The mother of one of the terrorists, who is serving 26 life sentences, said on TV, quote, I am proud and pride myself on having a son in prison. (laughs) She prides herself on having a son in prison. And she's proud of him. Here's a picture of her wearing her her burqa and and all of her her Islamic glory. And um, I I think you can even click on the the video. She she looks about as evil as 
Oh, Taylor just looked at her. She's like, she's so, she's so, these people are so demon-possessed, you, you, you can hardly look at them. I mean, it's just like the demons are just oozing out of them. Or devils. Okay. Um, the father-in-law of another terrorist who is serving 60 years told Polara interviewer, I always remember Allah, who is uh, Allah. It's not how you would think Allah is spelled. It's A-L-A-A. And this is a guy serving 60 years for, uh, for uh, killing Jews. Uh, his, his dad says, uh, the father-in-law says, he's a person of exalted moral values. <laughs> wow. <laughs> exalted moral values. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The following is the transcript of a PATV's visit to the homes of terrorist prisoners on the program Jerusalem Scenes. Produced jointly by Polara and PATV. PATV host says more than 250 prisoners from Jerusalem are held in the occupation's prisons. Most of them are on hunger strike. It is our duty to visit the families to some of the prisoners, to hear from them, and to see how they encourage their children to continue in the path of their struggle against the Israeli occupation. Israeli occupation? I mean... They've already given away two-thirds of their land, and the only reward they've ever gotten was more and more and more tax, more and more rockets, but yet they're the ones that are occupying. You know, the lands around them are only 640 times the size of Israel, but it's Israel's the one that's occupying. They're the ones. It's all their fault. They're just hypocritical devils and liars. So the only thing they could do is lie. Polar's website lists the following as sponsors. Now, this is the is this is the show that's putting this garbage up on air. And right here, the sponsor, European Commission for Humanitarian Aid. That's the sponsor. European Commission for Humanitarian Oh, it's real humanitarian for these Islamic terrorists to go in and kill innocent Israelis. That's real humanitarian. Pretty ironic, isn't it, that they're a sponsor? What's the other sponsor? Oh, Save the Children. Oh, I thought they were good. No, they're not. They're evil. Yeah, Save the Children sponsors them. Save the Children. Don't, you know, again, it's not Save the Israeli Children. (laughs) It's Kill the Israeli Children. The TV host telling youth to view terrorists and suicide bombers as, quote, role models corresponds with Polar's agenda, as its website states that creating role models is one of the more important purposes of the TV program. Oh. <laughs> role models. Oh, my word. The, the greatest success of the youth program called Speak Up comes from its peer-to-peer approach. Meaning, you've got other kids telling other kids, yeah, we need to do this for Allah. We need to follow in these martyrs' footsteps. We need to kill as many infidels and Israelis and Americans as possible. Uh, This peer-to-peer approach in which young people act as role models and reach out to their own peers through their own active role. For the names and descriptions of the suicide bombers honored among the 91 terrorists, see this recent bulletin. So you can look at that if you like. Here's the next article. Obama's pal Louis Farrakhan praises Shahara Law, threatens death unless America submits, and, and then also Allah will bring down American skyscrapers. Ah, there's, you know, there's no veiled threats, threats there. The vile race baiter, insider, white hater, Jew hater, American hater, Louis Farrakhan, and his best friend, um, to Obama's spiritual mentor, Jeremiah Wright, is laying it all out for us now. He's saying Allah will bring down America's skyscrapers Horrific uh, in the horrific new Louis Farrakhan audio, which is also praising Shahara Law and threatening death on America unless America submits to Islam. So don't think this stuff isn't coming over here. The Islamic minister, um, if you live in America, the Islamic minister, Louis Farrakhan, isn't, one to avoid controversial language. In his Sunday address in San Diego, the Nation of Islam leader slammed Israel, among other things, and said, During the last ten minutes, the fiery Farrakhan erupted with fervency applauding the violence of Shahara law and giving some cryptic warnings to America regarding Iranian intervention. And, you know, as loud as they scream and as much as they do and as much as they want to jump and down, I want to do the exact same thing but from a Christian standpoint and let the truth be known and let their lies be exposed. My God's bigger than them. 
My God's way, 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 way bigger, infinitely bigger than Allah, the demon moon God. Period. Next article. And last one, Muslims are exempt from Obamacare, but Christians who refuse to pay, liens can be placed on their assets, and hard prison time could accompany noncompliance. Well, hey, Obama's a Muslim. You know, he's born in Kenya. He was raised a Muslim. You know, why, again, you can't, as a male, you can't not become a Muslim. Oh, this whole thing about Christian, I mean, that's a facade. He's not a Christian. Has he ever acted in a Christian manner? He's the most pro-abortion, pro-homosexual pastor ever on record. Or pastor. Oh, satanic pastor. President on record. So it shouldn't surprise us that they're, the Muslims are going to get all kind of preferential treatment, and they have. Muslims are exempted from, this, uh, from the Obamacare mandate because the insurance is considered by Muslims as haram, okay, which I believe we explained that here. In a curious way, the privilege granted Muslims and denied to most others translates into what Muslims call dimultude, or taxing of non-Muslims in exchange for the acceptance of their presence? So in other words, it's gotten to the point where we need to pay dimultude to the Muslims just so they'll accept our presence, because see, we're infidel dogs in their eyes, and therefore we need to pay for the Muslims just to be in their presence because they're so holy and they're so much better than us. This is, what, this is what we're talking about here. Intentionally or not, Obamacare allows for the establishment of this practice and Shahara dictates in the United States. Conversely, if a Christian refuses to pay for the required health care insurance, liens can be placed against assets and hard prison time could accompany non-compliance. And it will be enforced by the good old IRS, the private debt collection arm of the International Monetary Fund, or essentially the Illuminati. And not one dime of what you pay to the IRS goes into running one faction, one one part of our country at all. And that was determined by the Grace Commission that Ronald Reagan commissioned when he first got into office. Not one dime of what you pay in the IRS goes to that. And you know what else? The Obamacare is going to do heavily, heavily, heavily subsidize and fund Planned Parenthood. So when you pay into that, you're paying for the absolute total destruction and abortion of babies. You're also going to be paying for death, death panels and all kind of other wicked stuff when you pay into Obamacare. Non-Muslims are, in effect, paying a tax to subsidize Muslims, in this particular case, of Obamacare. Whether one accepts the proposition, cross-subsidization is built into the law. The young are coerced into into underwriting the elderly, and non-Muslims are coerced into subsidizing Muslims. Take it for Peter to give to Paul usually pleases Paul, but the question of fairness remains, as does the Equal Protection Clause in the Constitution, Ultimately, the public will ask why some should be favored to the exclusion of others. That's putting it mildly. It is certainly odd that the U.S. circa 2012 has become Animal Farm, the, uh, I believe the show Animal Farm they're referenced to, with privilege granted to some and, 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 but not others. Equal protection is now simply one of those cliches honored more in the breach than in practice. There may be many reasons for opposing Obamacare, but none other than the huge funding of Planned Parenthood under Obamacare, is more important than the logic of differential treatment. Now, a lot of people have emailed me, I should mention this, about the whole thing about the um, implantable electronic device, the microchip thing, that they're saying everybody's going to have to have by March of 2013. Well, the thing is, about that, the reality is, is... Okay, is, is that the mark of the beast? No, I don't believe it's the mark of the beast. We're not even in the tribulation yet. I mean, if you think we're in the tribulation, okay, whatever. But we're not in the tribulation yet, number one. You're not going to be able to buy, sell, trade without it. Okay. No, I do not believe that's the mark of the beast. And I do not believe they're going to be able to implement that by 2000, March of 2013. Well, why would you say that? Listen, they haven't, they've been trying to uh, implement the national ID card for like, what is it, like six years now, if not more? And they haven't even been able to do that. You're telling me they're going to be able to implement the mark of the beast or some microchip by 2000, March of 2013, when they haven't even been able to implement the national ID card for the last six years, which is far less invasive than a microchip in every one of us? I, I, don't, I don't see how they're going to pull it off. Yes, eventually... 
the mark of the beast will be implemented. And I've done several teachings on that. Just key in mark in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. I've done like three different teachings on national ID and the mark of the beast. Okay, they're a little bit older, but I, I believe they're still as applicable today as they were then. I, I don't see how they're going to possibly be able to do that by March of 2013. I mean, I'm just looking at previous history, being, you know. Yes, is it a bad thing that that's in there? Real bad. Horrific. But I just want to throw that in. By arguing the Muslim view that insurance is haram, leg- uh, it's a Muslim term, uh, in other words, I guess it gets them off the hook, legislators open themselves up to further manipulation. What is likely to be next? Are there other concerns Muslims consider inappropriate because of the demands of Shahara, Shahara law? At what point does this form of soft extortion end? When it becomes, when it comes to the Muslims, it never will end. It's my my whole point there. So we've done a nice, uh, I guess it's a two part expose on the Muslims, and we're done. I didn't think we'd get through it this quick, um, but. That is, I'm going to probably split this into one on the, the CERN, Higgs boson, as a dedicated study, and then a two-part study on Islam and the Muslim, because I haven't done a dedicated study on that in a long time. I've done many, many studies on Islam. If you go and key in Islam or Muslim in the keyword search box at continuefortruth.com, I've done many, many studies on this. Uh, but that's probably how I'm going to... Uh, divide up the teachings. So I'll go ahead and close us out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. We praise you and honor you and glorify your name in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just, I thank you, Lord God, that, that you have given us the, another opportunity to come together and go over these matters. I pray, Lord God, that your word, your truth would go forth. I pray that many would be saved as a result of your efforts worldwide that you would speak boldly, Lord God, through your ministers, Lord God, of righteousness, that you would bless the body of Christ, that you would put us in a position of strength, Lord God, regarding the coming end times, that we would have the discernment and the knowledge, the wisdom and the understanding to know what we need to do, Lord God, to prepare body, soul, and spirit for the coming times, that you would preposition us ahead of time wherever we need to be, and that we would be able to be used mightily for your glory, and to lead many people to the Lord Jesus Christ in this coming end time period. I pray you forgive us for any and all sins we have committed in any way, shape, or form, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, and that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us. And we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.